Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash give. We've been talking about something and we're calling it holistic habits. What does it mean to be a people who holistically follow Christ and not just follow Christ within the aspect or the um, idealism of, okay, well, I serve him on Sundays and then I do the traditional Western culture of I serve once a month and, and I might give a little. But what does it mean for God to holistically have every part of who we are? Now, obviously, when I say that, people are like, wow, that seems like a really, really far off dream. And so what we did last week is we unpacked holiness versus holiness. Holiness, H-O-L-Y versus holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Whole versus kind of this like consecrate, the consecrated set apart version and the everything of who we are version. And so this week, and, and what we've really been trying to do, and, and if you've spent any uh, length of time here at this church, is we're going to hyper-focus on practical lifestyle. So what I mean by that is I believe in this day and age what we've done is, is we've a little bit watered down what it means to follow Christ to this more like, whether it's, it's a version of like self-help that also meets like careerism and prosperity that also like kind of is like this emotional support thing that we have. And it's not really in, in its genesis form this thing that our lives entirely revolve around. And when I talk about holistic practice and, and holistic habits, what I'm essentially going to challenge all of us over this week is to really examine what we perceive to be the foundational elements and habits of following God. Why? Because we're called to be disciples, but I believe that Christians today are some of the most, the least disciplined people on earth. When you ask people what constitutes the belief and behavior of following Christ, we don't have concrete habits. We don't even have concrete answers. And I want to encourage you today as we spend really deep intentional time on these habits and behaviors. We're not here to just talk about things. We're not just going to be a place where we have really good sermons and then we hope you have a really good brunch. But this is a place where when we talk about it, it's under the understanding of, I pray that you would implement the habits and behaviors as me and my wife have. We will lead from a habit and behavior standpoint because that is what this house has been built on. And I believe that that's why we're seeing the fruit in the favor is because it won't be built on anything else. It won't be built on our image. It won't be built on our brand. It won't be built on our focus. It'll be built on God. May we be rooted like the tree firmly planted in streams of living water that yields fruit in all season. May we recognize that when you open up your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. That even in Lamentations, no one, one of the most depressing books in the Bible for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. I think that what we need to get back to is practicing the behaviors and the habits and then realizing how present he is in the very fabric of your being. Because as sad as it is today, if I were to ask you how aware you are of him at all times, it's none of us are going to be like, I'm never aware. And if you are good for you, good confidence. 
But I do believe that what we've done is we've stripped down the habits and behaviors and we don't realize the power that they once possessed. So what I want to do today is I'm just going to talk about, we're going to jump right in, holistic habits. And today and maybe next week, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Um, we're going to talk about prayer. And really what's funny to me is I, I, I believe in prayer, but I would say that in the last few years I've really liked tried to go to that place of like, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe and I'm going to press in on this. And it was funny because I think a lot of the times, once again, it, it, I've had so, I have so many funny stories of prayer, but one of them a few years ago, I was preaching at a conference um, out in the Midwest. And when I was there, I got done preaching. It was a great time. And I went into the crowd and there was, there was somebody who was having a, um, Gosh, I'm trying to remember. I have it written down here. Uh, a shingles flare-up. They had, sh- they had a shingles flare-up and literally were crying out, like screaming, this middle school boy, which is pretty common for middle school boys. If you didn't know, I was in youth ministry. I can roast. I did almost 10 years. I put my time in. I literally got scars. I promise you that. I got so many stories. You don't even want. I, we, anyway. But this guy is like screaming and he's like, call an ambulance, call my mom. They're the same thing, right? <laughs> or, my, or my wife for now. Um, she's like, what does that mean? Don't worry about it. Um, but he's like screaming. And I immediately, in my mind, nobody's praying for him. I immediately, in my mind, he's like, call an ambulance. I need this certain antibiotic, this shit. Like, and he is like agitated and, and just crying out, making a huge scene. So I start praying for him. And I'm like one of those guys where like I'm leaning in. Like, oh, yes, God. Like, touch his body. Hallelujah. Call it down. You know, and I'm like praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. And sometimes I'm one of those guys that like when I get praying, I don't even notice what's going on. I'm just praying, praying, praying. And finally, like after like four minutes of just deep intercessory, just we're going there. I'm like after I realize that this kid's not freaking out anymore. And I'm like, I'm, once again, I'm like gripping his shoulder and I open my eyes and I'm like, I'm like, he's not, he's completely fine. And I look at him and I go, I go, hey, are you okay? And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, can I go play with my friends? <laughs> and I like looked at him and I, in my mind, I was, I was like, I looked at him and I was like, oh, isn't that cool that God just touched your body? And he's like, oh no, it'll come back later. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, man, we was praying for the wrong thing. <laughs> God, I rebuke unbelief. Father, I pray a spirit of... No, it was... I didn't say that because he's in middle school and his brain was already fried. Uh, but it was, it was funny because this, right? Five minutes prior, it was 911. And then there wasn't a need for 911 anymore. But there wasn't a recognition that maybe God had done something. It was, well, something bad will happen in the future. Something else is going to happen. I think this is even our mindset in terms of how we approach and view God. What's the point of having a life of prayer if we live in such a fallen and dark world that every time we pray, yeah, he maybe can get us through something, but there's going to be something behind it. You know, he maybe can do something, but at the same time, I mean, I need a lot more than just one something. I need a lot of somethings. Or we just know people who need a ton of somethings. Amen. But I want to encourage you today. What if you could view prayer 
as the moments of that intimacy in which truly you do experience heaven on earth. I wasn't going to share this, and I don't want to over uh, charismatic things, but genuinely, I do believe, I, I, I'm going to say this, I'm not the guy who's ever going to preach on casting out demons, okay? Not that I don't believe that that stuff exists, but genuinely, last week, we had somebody who was here who was pulling out their hair and screaming, and I, the Lord convicted me as I walked up to pray for them. And I was like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to go for this. And I literally prayed for them for like 30 seconds. I looked at them. At, they got under control. I said, would you like to, if you, we can go into a side room and I will continue to pray for you until you see breakthrough. Or if you, there is no pressure, you have freedom to leave. And the person completely dead in the face was totally fine. Looked at me and said, can I get a cup, cup, cup of coffee and leave? And literally got one. But I, and I'm not even talking about like the, the mysteries of what God can do within like the, 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 the realms, right? What I'm talking about is like this constant awareness that prayer is not just like this lifeline, but it is a constant back and forth, a constant sensitivity, a constant awareness that we serve a God that doesn't just want to communicate with you or commune with you. He wants to make himself known to you. And a lot of people, we don't realize that we haven't entered into prayer because genuinely we don't care to know him more. And as sad as it is to say that, we've almost been like, well, I've prayed before and things haven't happened and so I'll stop now. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. But just because I walk up to my refrigerator at my house and I open the door and it doesn't have something that I don't have in it in that moment, I don't stop walking up to it and say, well, I guess it'll never have it again. That was a really good analogy. (laughs) Some of you guys are like, wow, are we ever going to read the Bible? Great. Happy you asked. I really wanted to start today kind of from a biblical place in 1 Kings 19, and I'm going to paraphrase because we're going to spend a ton of time on a singular passage. 1 Kings 19, in my opinion, is one of the most like insane breakthrough moments of like, holy cow, like how could you experience this? And it's Elijah, he's running from Ahab, and then because he thinks he's going to get killed, because he just literally killed hundreds of, pro- of, of prophets of Baal. It's like this wild thing that happens, and then he goes into the wilderness, is like, I don't want to die by her, just kill me. And then this angel strengthens him, and is like, all right, you're going to go to a mountain, and climb this mountain, and God is going to meet you there. And what happens is God actually does meet him there, and it says, it says a few things, and I love this. It says a windstorm happened, but there was no voice in the windstorm. It says an earthquake happened, in the the NASB it says an earthquake happened that shook and split the mountain he was on, yet the voice was still not there. That it said a firestorm happened, still no voice, and then a gentle breeze blue and a voice came forth and I want to challenge you I believe that this is such a mindset of a of a contemplative person someone who's inwardly being formed but outwardly facing is we don't focus on the earthquakes the firestorms we don't focus on the wind that blows and and splits mountains We're hyper aware of the gentle breeze, leaning in and saying, God, what are you saying? 
That's the place we're going to start with prayer, and we're going to jump right into it. And the, the thing is, is I love this. It's something I've been practicing, and we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer today. Okay? Now, some of you guys immediately were like, the Lord's Prayer, great, know that one by heart, right? But I love Jesus' words right before it because his disciples have looked at him and said, hey, can you tell us how to pray? Tell us how. Now, ultimately, if most of the time when people ask Jesus, like, tell us how you did that, he's just like, just have more faith, blah, blah, blah. But in this passage, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to tell you how to pray. And he gives this rundown. Now, here's what you need to realize. In Matthew and Luke, there's two kind of breakdowns of what of what prayer was. Okay, And the breakdowns are this. Matthew actually goes super in-depth because Matthew was a disciple and he literally heard it. Luke is somebody who later on, he's Luke, if you didn't know, is referenced in Acts and becomes a, a writer of a gospel from a physician standpoint, laser focused on accuracy and detail. And what's crazy is, is Luke actually, they say his gospel was designed for the Gentile converts of the early church. And so he gave them more of a brass tax mass. Matthew, as a disciple, gives the Lord's Prayer in like the straight from Jesus' mouth, this is what you should do. So what I want to do is I want to read, but more than that, we are going to take a a deep dive on this because for me, okay, here's the deal. I've been in ministry over 10 years. I felt convicted and challenged to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day about three months ago. Right when I wake up, one time in the afternoon, right before I go to bed. Because here's the deal. I, I want to even challenge you on this. Some of us, we talk about wanting to have a life of prayer. Jesus says, if you're going to pray, pray like this. When was the last time we prayed like Jesus said to pray? And what I'll do is I'll pray the Lord's Prayer and then roll into praying. But I, it, what's sad to me is we can read Jesus' words that say, if you're going to pray, do it like this. Say it like this. And then wonder why sometimes we don't see God in our prayer life. So for the last few months, I'm going to preach on this from the preface of I have done this. I have said the Lord's Prayer over the last three months hundreds and hundreds of times. And once again, I've been in ministry over 10 years. I've, I've got all the stuff that should say, well, I know the Lord's Prayer, but I was so convicted by do it like this. Okay, God, I will. Man, if we read our Bibles like that. If we went to church and actually like received like that, okay, I will hear it and I will do it. See, that's holistic habits. Let's read Matthew 6, 6 through verse 12. It says this, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I love the start of this because I want to push everybody in this direction. It didn't say go to the nearest temple or tabernacle and start praying, even though you should. Prayer is something that we should be doing everywhere. But what Jesus does is he sets the table for prayer through the lens of secret. I want to challenge you. When was the last time you were alone in secret? Nobody around and you just were there with God praying to him. Because this is the base level of prayer. It's the base level. Jesus, how do we pray? Let me tell you. Go be alone in secret. And pray to me. And then what you do in secret, I'll see. And I'll reward. See, what's funny is in worship earlier today, I was thinking about this passage right before I came up here. 
Me and my wife literally left everything and moved here with two friends last September. And you better believe there's a lot of secret prayer times in which I was like, God, did we listen? Did we hear right? Is this what we were supposed to do? And it's cool to be in moments where you look out and you say, okay, God, you were right. But man, those secret moments is where God can entrust his, himself to you to do the work of what he's called you to do. And I believe there are people in this room who have DNA and imprint of heaven on your life that God's just saying, if you'll be with me in secret, I will entrust that secret. And that secret place, DNA and identity that can unlock doors that you never thought you would be able to open. Our story is so wrapped up in elements in which everything should have been locked, but the secret place unlocked it. And I pray that you realize that whether that's your motivation or not, I pray that you realize that when you're contending in the secret, he's unlocking doors outside of that place. Let's keep reading. It says this, verse 7, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles, for they suppose, they will be, for they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. Now, some of you guys are like, well, you just said you did it three times a day, so that seems a little aimless. <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. I would push back in this regard because this is actually a big biblical precedent that was set by pagans. If you actually research what I quoted earlier, 1 Kings 19, when Elijah fights the prophets of Baal, which if you know anything about the prophets of Baal, that, that, that is woven all throughout scripture. But actually he challenges them to a duel of like altar fire. It's like really interesting passage if you want to read it. But in it, it actually says that he let them go first. And from morning until mid-afternoon, they cried out to their God and cut themselves, marked themselves and spilled blood on the altar, crying repetition of words in which there was no response. And so the pagan ritual was, if you're just creating a show and doing these things and there's no response, stop using that many words. So that's the, that's the pretense of that passage. Let's keep going. And it says this, verse 8. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's why I pray the Lord's Prayer, because I know God knows what I'm believing for. But I know what He commanded me to do. Pray like this. Let's keep reading. It says this. Verse 9, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So I'm going to break this down by the, by the key characteristics. The first one is this. There's a profound start in the Lord's Prayer. The profound start is this. When Jesus utters the phrase, Our Father. Now many of us, we read this passage of Scripture and we don't realize the profoundness of this moment. Jesus is speaking in Aramaic and he utters Abba. Abba is a word that a child uses to address their dad. Nobody in that day and time ever called God Abba. Jesus sets the table and I guarantee people heard the phrase Abba and immediately disconnected and were so confused like, yo, you're, God's your dad? 
And what he's doing is, is he's playing with the imagery. He's playing with the relationship and he's playing with the perception. The imagery of a child who goes to their dad knowing that their dad can provide all that they need. The perception that that God is not a dad, that God is not somebody that I can have a relationship with, that God is not somebody that that is something that should be compared to. And Jesus saying, oh, no, he is. See, most of us, when we spend time with God, it's not under the pretense. It's under the pretense of, oh, father, hear me, not Abba, I'm here. And some of us, we have negative relationships with our father, and I I can't get into the minutia of that, but I want to encourage you. You have a father who truly loves you unconditionally, listens to you wholeheartedly, and responds on your behalf. But there has to be a realization that he's not just, oh, father, he's Abba. The second thing, right, is there's three preliminary requests in this prayer. Three preliminary requests. Man, I butchered that word twice. The first one is this. Hallow your name. Now, if you didn't know this, this word hallow is not found a ton in the New Testament. And Jesus does not utter the word hallow outside of this passage. Why is that? And hallow, I'm going to try my best here, is the Greek word And it means to sanctify, to make pure, to consecrate, and to separate from the profane and dedicate to holiness. Man, it's rich in nature. And essentially, I want to hyphenate the the definition for you. It is a recognition when we pray and say, hallow your name, that his name is above ours. How many of you guys know, man, when we want to pray, like it's one thing to be like, God, you know, I need you. Help me, please. Bank account's low. All college students are like, amen, God, bring it in, Father. But when we say, hallowed be your name, it's us saying, God, your name is above mine. Purify my name and my motive to match yours. Recognize that I want to be consecrated and sanctified as you are. When we hallow the name, it's us beholding unto becoming. And I think that's the place where a lot of us, we love the behold moments, but we lack the practical follow through of the become lifestyle. I pray that we never come to this place and are so wrapped up in beholding that we forget that we're called to be becoming as well. A recognition that his name is above yours, that his name is the highest reverence in who you are. That you long for his name and his character to have the top place. And his name is your number one focus and goal. Hallow. God, sanctify, purify, consecrate. Make it my number one. Our Abba, hallow your name. The second thing, your kingdom come. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You know, for some of us, I love that there's a differentiation between his kingdom coming and his will being done. 
Because kingdom, his kingdom coming is for us, not is an invitation and an activation for us to realize that we are co-laborers in his kingdom coming. His kingdom coming is predicated on his people realizing that they have the power of that kingdom and then making sure that kingdom goes forward. But I want to challenge you as well. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom be built. See, kingdom and will are different because kingdom in the modern sense is this practical authority that usurps and supersedes. And I think a lot of us, if we were to ask the question, will you follow God if your authority doesn't get to accomplish the things that you thought it would? That you don't get to reign over your life like you thought you were able to. See, sanctification is a word I've been playing around with. This idea that our behaviors and our habits can make us more like him. But it's through the crucible of self-denial and even more than that, the awareness that it was a cross that he carried. And I think for a lot of us, if we were to ask the question, are we willing to carry a cross for Christ? It's easy to say yes, but it's a whole nother thing to live out that yes. And I want to challenge you today. His kingdom coming is the awareness that his gospel must go forward and that his kingdom wants to reign on earth, but you are a part of that. So when we're praying this, we're praying, hallow be your name, Abba, hallow be your name, your kingdom come. It's not about me building my own thing. It is about me being a partaker and a steward of what you've already built and living it out in its fullness. May your kingdom come. The second thing, your will be done, right? There's three kind of asks, hallow your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. But this one for me is the most hilarious because I, there's a, this is the number one reason we really don't pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Because it's one thing to be like, oh God, like I'm going to pray, blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the day, be like, okay, well, if God's will is different than your will, do you really want to pray it? I love Notre Dame football. It was a rough year, but it's fine. I'm getting over it. Had high expectations. It's okay. It's borderline an idol. I repent. But there's, it's funny. Whenever you go to a Notre Dame game, they actually have a, um, on the scoreboard, I had this moment in the stadium a few years ago where on the scoreboard, it actually shows the team saying the Lord's Prayer. Now, what's funny is this, is they, they, they like show the whole Lord's Prayer. And in my mind, I never forget it because I was like, man, your kingdom come, your will be done. What if God's will that day doesn't mean that you win? And I remember I had this moment where I was like, dang, we lost to Marshall this year. If you don't know, that's a terrible football team. We lost to Stanford this year. God awful football team. I mean, Stanford had not beaten an FBS level opponent in two years, and they beat us. And we were like number 10. I'm still, I don't, I shouldn't even be talking about this. It's fine. But it's funny because in the locker room before that, that game, do you think all the players were like, your will be done? And then afterwards we're like, dang God, that was your will for us to lose to that terrible of a team? See, you find out a lot more about your will when it doesn't come to pass. You find out a lot more about how you perceive God when the things that you thought he was going to do for you, he doesn't do. 
It's funny because I would say this early in the Christian walk. If you haven't been through this yet, you will. Is There is a spiritual maturity to your will being refined into his. And it is a constant habit-shaping discipleship and formation mentality in which we look at God and say, okay, God, I have this will, but I trust that as I become sanctified and more imparted into your image, that that will will start to shift. And all of a sudden your will will be done because it's only your will that exists within me. It is only your will. I'll never forget that moment in the stadium because it's like, dang, we lost. Was it his will for us to lose? In some cases, I'm going to say this, his will is for you to lose. What's sad to me is that when we come in and we profess lordship and the Lord comes into our hearts and he sees idols and starts removing them, idol removal feels like loss sometimes. I want to encourage you when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not this fluffy thing. It is us inviting God's personhood, the Abba, to come in and his kingdom not only to be present, but performed through who we are and his will to come to pass, even if it means removal and loss of the things we thought were his will. See, these petitions are like, now some of us are like, dang, I'm going to start praying this Lord's Prayer. Who knows? Your kingdom come, your will be done. I love, my favorite part of this is give us this day our daily bread. Why? I'm going to get super philosophical for a second. In the Mediterranean diet of Jesus' day, there was really only one food that was carbohydrate rich and dense. Now, if you know anything about carbohydrate foods, bread and potatoes, that's pretty much what most of it is, is there's a sense of fullness when you eat those things that sits inside of you where you're satisfied. Now, in the Mediterranean diet, bread was one of, if not the only thing that when you ate it, You ate it and could be satisfied and full of like, wow, I am full. Because when you eat other things that are carbohydrate dense, there's still a level of like, I could eat more, I could eat more, and you have to eat a lot more. But when you have that carbohydrate dense thing, is it fills you much quickly. And it's funny because he, he essentially says, give us this day our daily bread, but he points out a food That doesn't necessarily offer a ton of nutritional value, but it offers a ton of fullness. And I want to challenge you today. I think a lot of us, we look at our lives, and if I were to ask you, how full do you feel? Most of us, the reason why we're anxious and we're feeling like we don't know what we're doing or where we're going is because we haven't eaten the daily bread that gives us the fullness we need to sit back and say, wow, God, this... I could take a nap on this. And even then, I want to take it a step further because it's daily bread. The daily ritualistic habit and behavior of consuming a bread that fills us. I loved the Old Testament analogy, and really it's not an analogy, but I'm referencing it like it was, where the children of Israel come out and God starts providing manna from heaven, but he commands them, you can't pick up two days worth, only one. And if you pick up two days worth... It'll mold in your tent. Every day, habit, behavior, 
and lifestyle of I will consume the bread and trust it will add the fullness. Let's keep reading. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we forgive our debtors. I've said it hundreds of times, so I'm going to mess it up, but I always say, um, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgressed against us. But I want to say this. Have you, I had, uh, when I went to to India on a mission trip, I actually came back and before quarantine was cool, uh, they put me in quarantine for five days in the hospital, thought I had leprosy. Yeah. Some of you guys weren't paying attention. You're like, dang, leprosy, What? Five days I was in, I was in there and they had, because they had to fly in a skin specialist because I came back from India and that was around Ebola time. (laughs) Any of us remember that? It's like the original one where you're like, oh my gosh, Ebola, there's something out there that could turn us into World War Z. (laughs) Uh, Brad Pitt did a great job in that movie. I I don't even care. It was incredible. Brad Pitt did good. I don't even care. Bullet train, not so much. Who cares? (laughs) love that movie right now. I don't know why. I'm going so long. Anyway, I want to say this though. It was funny because I was there and I was there and it turns out I didn't. I had the worst case of staph and strep skin infection that they'd ever seen. So I was pumped full of antibiotics. It was wild. Um, but what's funny is this, is I got out of the hospital and I had not changed my insurance over my health insurance at that time. So I got slapped with a $15,000 bill. And I remember, I remember getting slapped with that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I am 19. This might as well be 150 million. <laughs> I remember going to my dad and my dad saying, Michael, why don't you just, you never know. Why don't you write him a letter? Just tell them you were a missionary. See if they'll give you a discount. I write them a letter, $15,000 bill. They say, if you pay 50 bucks, we'll cover it. I'm dead serious. So what's funny is this, is when I read this passage of scripture, forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors, I remember that. Where God forgave a debt that I could not pay, and now I am called to do the same. And I want to say this to you. I want you, we need to practically, when we read the Bible, remember times of which you got something you absolutely did not deserve and could have never fathomed getting and look back and say, okay, I can do the same for others and I must do the same for others. Because I'm going to say this, some of us are frustrated and bitter and a lot of it is because we're praying for God to forgive our debts while we're holding on to the debts of others. And I want to push you, I want to push you in this regard because I'm telling you the bitter, jaded, offended church of America is wondering why the provision of blessing, God forgiving the debt is not happening and it's because we are really, really good and not forgetting the debts of others. I want to challenge you, forgive us our debts as we forgive those with debts against us. We're breaking this down practically today, if you couldn't tell. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a great quote by Carl Jung. It says this, the increase of your consciousness affects the unconscious. The increase of your consciousness affects the unconscious. What does it mean 
for him to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of the fascinating passages of scripture was Jesus, after he's baptized by John, comes out of the water, and what happens? It says that full of the spirit, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. See, we don't pray this passage of scripture like God never lead us into anything that will tempt us. We pray this God protect us in seasons when we're tempted to not fall into it. See, there is no um, absolving of temptation and things of this world, but there is a sanctification and holiness that can happen in your behaviors and habits that will change how easy it is to walk through temptation, to get to the other side of temptation. I'm going to blow this teaching later. It's going to be incredible, but I'm going to say this. is full of the Holy Spirit. It says he followed the spirit into, into the desert. But then at the very end in Luke, it actually says this, that he returned from the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. He walked full of the spirit into temptation, but because he was able to overcome the temptation, he received a power through the overcoming. And I pray this, that you never look at your life and say, God, why am I going through something? And rather you look at your life and say, God, I'm gaining a power through this something. That is the God we serve, not one who puts you through things and you wonder the whole time what is going on, but one who puts you through things so that the power can be present and transmitted in your life when you need it and in others when they do. I'm grateful for everything I've been through in this life and I've been through some tough stuff. But it's because I've gained a power through that that allows me to live differently. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the last part, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And I want to say this, when we pray like this, we see the kingdom. We live in the power, and we have eternal glory in him. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis I want to read quickly. We're not going to go super long, I promise. C.S. Lewis says this, I believe in Jesus like I believe in the sun rising. Not just because I see it, but because by it, I see all else. I'm going to say that again. I believe in Jesus like I believe in the sun rising, not just because I see it, but because by it, I see all else. See, it's not the moment in which the sun rises that we have awe. It's the realization that as the sun rises, it provides an illumination in which we can live with light for all our day. And I want to challenge you that your realization of God is not just this one-time moment and it's like, wow, he's here and he's present. It's a realization that he wants to light and guide your life. So what I do always in closing is I pray out. I pray out the message over people, but today all I'm going to do is pray the Lord's Prayer. 
So however you want to receive that, whether that's with arms open or just in a mindfulness, I pray that we realize and I challenge you to start reciting the Lord's Prayer over yourself daily. But do it from the mindset of what you just received today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thine is the kingdom.